Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Final hour on this Tuesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We'll hear from Michael Wilbon from Pardon the Interruption. He'll join us coming up. We criticize Major League Baseball for its slow pace of play, but apparently both baseball and the Players Association capable of moving extremely fast when it comes to shooting down each other's proposals. Yesterday morning it came out. Baseball wanted to play 76 games, players getting 75% of their pay. An hour later, we find out that the union was thinking more along the lines of 100% pay for as many games as they can get. So the dance has been going on for quite some time. And every time I say to myself, I'm not going to engage. Nope, you're not going to get me this time around. I'm not going to invest. It's fascinating to see the two sides dig deeper into their stances at exactly the wrong time. It almost feels like a comedy. And that being said, it's a whole lot easier to giggle if they'd figured this out in the end. At least a lot more fun. Baseball, well, nobody's in a hurry, it feels like, but they should be because it's no laughing matter, certainly for the loyal fans. And yes, we go back and forth on this. It feels like we have an arbitrary deadline. Well, if you don't come back by this date, you're not going to be able to get in X number of games. Remember, Scott Boris said, why don't we play baseball through Christmas? Um. I don't know where Scott was going to play some of those games that involved East Coast teams, but he's smarter than I am, so maybe he had a better idea here. You got a window here. Your window of opportunity is closing rapidly. Now, you might be able to come back, but your window of opportunity is closing from the standpoint of fans are eventually going to say, you know what? You don't care about us. Why should we care about you? Here comes football. NFL, college football, NBA is going to be in the sweet spot. They're going to have their playoff games. you got marquee players, big names involved in the playoffs. And Major League Baseball is going to continue to poke and prod each other, and we're not making any progress. I remain optimistic because of the number of people involved in this and the amount of money involved in this, uh, local TV contracts, You know, part of the reason why the NBA was pushing to come back and play some regular season games is they had to make sure that they played the allotted number of games for what would be constituted a full season for the local TV contracts and their network TV contracts. We're talking about $400 million at stake here. That's what this is all about. Now, we can talk about player safety, and we should, but this is about money. It's about money with the NFL, money with baseball, money with the NBA. That's the bottom line. And maybe baseball finds a window where they can get together. It feels like you need a a mediator here. You need somebody to say, all right, let's get both sides here. What do you want? What will you give? What do you want? What will you give? Find some common ground here. You need a marriage counselor. You need a baseball counselor who can just say, can we get this? How do we get this? And I know that we love to think that, hey, they'll come back because they know the importance of it. And, it, you know, what's going on in our society. We need it more. I don't know if they need it more. The owners are saying we're going to lose money. Players are saying we're risking our health and we're going to come back for less money. And meanwhile, the fans, we're just going to go, okay, we'll wait. And eventually you don't wait anymore. And you'll move on. 
And that's unfortunate. But baseball has done this to itself. It's self-inflicted. And then you're going to get players because the owners are getting, they want to have you know, speed up pace of play. Maybe they mic some of the players. Players aren't going to do any of that stuff. If anything, you're going to get players who will do the opposite. They're not going to cooperate. Pace of play. Do you realize what's, what, you know, when we talked to Tom Verducci yesterday, I said, who's the team we should keep an eye on when, when baseball comes back? He said, the Tampa Bay Rays, because they have the deepest pitching staff. So what we're going to have is pitching change after pitching change after pitching change. And probably very little offense, because it takes offense a little bit longer to catch up to pitching. But that's what's in store when they come back. Might not even be a good product when they come back. Yeah, boy. I know this is impossible, but don't you wish every once in a while the commissioner of a sport could have a, uh, not, I guess, veto power, but unlimited powers? Maybe once in a while, almost like for the good of the game emergency situation where the commissioner says, we are going to play baseball and we're going to get it done. Like I know because of the players union, you cannot. But doesn't he have the power to say, you're coming back and playing a 50-game schedule? Because this is what I brought up the other day. I was told... They might come back without an agreement because the commissioner can invoke his powers or some rule that says you got to come back. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, we were going over it before the show. They reached an agreement in March, which opened the door for Manfred to mandate whatever schedule he wants. So they already signed off in March that Manfred can make an emergency. Yeah. Mandate. Yeah. By the way, they got to hurry because if they go in October, they're going to push against the NFL and that'd be a rating disaster. For baseball to have the World Series in October. Phil in Indiana joins us. Hi, Phil. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan. It's always a great pleasure to speak with you. I, I wanted to comment. Do these guys understand that 40 million Americans lost their job through this pandemic? And then those that didn't, probably 75% took a massive pay cut, maybe up to 50%. I mean, this, this, you know, Major League Baseball has a window every year of only mid-June to through July anyway. And so this would alienate fans, I think, for the rest of their life, including myself. I would never come back if, if this continues to go on and, and they hold out. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. Thanks, as always, Dan. You're a great right. man. Thank you, Phil. I, I'm sure the players understand, you know, unemployment, people who have been affected by this. But then they get, you know, then it's about the individual. And then you say, I want to get mine. Hey, if I don't do this and stand up for my rights, then it's going to affect players down, down the road. We don't want a salary cap. We don't want ownership to have control over our salaries any more than they already do. And, I mean, you have to understand, they've been going at each other for decades. You can change commissioners. You can change the head of the Players Association. This is a sport that has had volatility when it comes to negotiations. True volatility. And that's unfortunate, but that's where we are, and it's not going away anytime soon, even during a pandemic, even during unemployment. Uh, we talked about this prior to the start of the show. Paulie says, I got an idea. There's eight teams that are not going to play in Orlando. And these teams say, we want to play. We want to be able to play. We, we don't get to go into the play-in portion of uh, the postseason. They don't get to have regular season games. And Paulie said, well, why don't we just have an 18 tournament and we can spread it out over three to five days. And the winner of the eight teams that are not in the play in portion of this get the number one pick. You could have some good matchups there. Well, you got matchups there. 
It would be Charlotte Hornets, Golden State. Love it. Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavs. Yeah. This is actually like you on a, a Thursday night in November. Oh, yeah. This is a normal night for me. Knicks, T-Wolves. Woo! Pistons, Hawks. Saucy. Oh. They each play one game. Eight. Basically three nights right before the NBA season starts. Three nights. Single elimination. Winner gets the number one pick of the draft. And if you do this going forward, you can kind of uh, curtail tanking. I like it. I think I need to change the tournament's name, though. It's the USI. Yeah, it's you very s- American feeling. USI, USI. Yeah, but it stands for You Suck Invitation. Don't worry about that. I know, but that's uh, the problem I got here. Yes, yeah, but if you say you're playing in the USAC, it doesn't sound so terrible. Yeah, isn't there a racing league called the USAC? Yes, they got away with it for a long time, and that's funny as hell. Yes, <laughs> USAC, my sack. Yes, McLovin. What's the players' motivation here? Like they they get they- paid. Yeah, they, but do they want to prove, yeah, let, let's play really hard so we can get a guy who's going to take my job next year. It feels like the players are in a funny spot there, playing for a lottery spot. So, so you would rather not play well yeah. and somebody come in and take your spot, <laughs> or you are going to play well and you get the number well, one pick. Watch the Bulls play because they hate their coach and we all want out of town. Well, They're going to ditch that season so bad. Yeah, yeah. See. Or if you're the one decent player on the team with a bunch of scrubs, you're like, finally, I could yeah, get somebody decent. Hmm. I think it would be fun to have these teams at least have a tournament. And if you want to have them play in Vegas instead, you, 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 could, you could do something that would be interesting. We're trying to get rid of tanking, right? And how can I get rid of tanking? I always thought that if you ended, when a team was eliminated from the postseason, the number of wins that you accumulated would determine the order of the draft. And if you were not a good team and you were out early, you could start accumulating victories and then, you know, the order of the draft. Because the worst team, how many times does the worst team get the best player in the draft, the number one overall pick? Pelicans weren't the worst team last year. Orlando a few years ago with Anthony Hardaway, they had the lowest odds of winning the lottery. And they got him. Do we have numbers on that? How many times does the worst team... With the lottery, you know, because Cleveland tanked to get LeBron. But it was a little bit, it was simpler back then when you were tanking. Now with the lottery, yeah, McLovin. Yeah, I mean, according, I'm looking at the, uh, there's a list, like right now the worst team has a 14% chance. Before that, it was a 25% chance until 2018. And then before that, it was a 16% chance. So they've lowered it. Just odds-wise, it's very... I, I, you're right, it has been a lot of turnover, but they only have a 14% chance in the lottery now. Yeah, but how many times has the worst team in the NBA won the lottery? Yeah, Paul. McLovin's right. In the past few years, it's been weighted, so the worst team. Uh, the Suns in 18, the Nets in 17, the Sixers in 16, the Timberwolves in 15 were all the worst team in the league, and they got the first pick of the okay. draft. If you Before that, you have to go back to the Orlando Magic in 04. So basically, there was a 10-year run where the, a, a team that was not the worst team in the league record-wise got the first pick in the draft, which caused the commissioner to change it. Yeah, I just, and I like that if uh, you, you know, you're at worst guaranteed a certain spot in the draft. I, I like that if you're going to want to help these teams. I just don't want to reward tanking. And we have rewarded tanking. Yeah, Paul. Your Orlando Magic, Dan, in 90, 1993. Three had one ping pong ball out of 66. <laughs> they had a 1.5% chance, and they won it. Got Chris Webber traded for Penny Hardaway. Ended up in the NBA Finals two years later. Yeah. There's, a, there's a few others like that, like uh, you know the New Jersey Nets 
They got Kenyon Martin. They were the seventh worst team. Uh, the Chicago Bulls were the ninth worst team and got Derrick Rose. The Clippers got Kyrie Irving. They were the eighth worst team. And they uh, com- traded the pick to the Cavs. Yeah, McLovin. Do you remember who the uh, Sixers took that year between Penny and Chris Webber? Uh, you went to interview him in Australia, is it? Sean. Sean Bradley. Yeah. Oh, what did they take, Penny or, or Weber? Uh, I don't know. But there was a, this fascination with Sean Bradley. He was seven six, played at BYU, and he had he could run the floor and he could shoot jumpers. I thought Sean Bradley was going to be really good. It didn't work out that way. Sean is probably on more posters that aren't supposed to feature him than any other player in NBA history. Because it always felt like when you watch somebody dunking and you go, uh, "Oh, it's Sean Bradley," and they're trying to block the shot. I do give Sean Bradley credit. He did challenge everybody's dunks. And you see paid the price there. Maybe you shouldn't have. Uh, let me see. Steven uh, St. Louis joins us. Good morning, Steve. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan66260. Uh, uh, there you go, baby. Um, hey, love your show. Um, watch you forever. But I, I'm not quite sure blasting all things University of Missouri is, is a good play. I, I would compare, as a father who put three kids through Mizzou and married his wife wait, down wait, there. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't blast all things Mizzou. I just blasted well, their football team. Well, I know, I know that the, the tailgating at Eastern Kentucky and Dayton and Clayton is off, or excuse me, Cornell is off the charts, but have you ever been to a game at the wow. University of Missouri? Oh, so you ever been down why, there? why should I go to the game? Why shouldn't I just go to the tailgate, Steve? Apparently that's what's the most exciting part of this. Well, I, I don't agree with that generation. My kids would, would echo that. I, I'm, a, I'm the old guy that sits in the seats and doesn't leave even when we're winning or losing Steve, by three touchdowns. Steve, touch all I'm pointing out is they shouldn't be in the SEC. And they okay. haven't been very good, and they usually play a noon Eastern game. So, well, Gary Pinkle, Gary Pinkle put him to, in two SEC back-to-back champions. Gary Pinkle had a pretty nice run. That was only three years ago. I mean, that, I mean, there was a, and that's there was fair. a point. That's fair. Yeah. But they should be in the point. Big Ten. The Big Ten Agreed. didn't want Missouri. They should be in the Big Ten. I, well, I, I'm just pointing out a couple of things here, Steve. You're too close to it. Maybe I'm not close enough to it, but. I didn't say anything about, uh, you know, we were going to go tailgating or anything. I just was talking about the football program, and it feels like when they had Chase Daniel, that's when you had a team that was uh, at least nationally recognized. That's all. Yeah, Paulie. Dan, I don't know how many times over the years I've told you not to rile up the Missouri football fan base, and you never listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I I think I was ripping all things Missouri, (laughs) according to Steve. Yes, uh, Seton. Well, you've certainly stirred something up because I was just, for the first time in a long time, I just went through our email. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to set the over-under of angry emails from Missouri football fans at two. Okay. <laughs> what okay. do you have over-under? I'm going to go under. It's under. We got exactly <laughs> one. And it said, Mizzou hates Dan Patrick. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> He's ripping the whole school. No, we're just saying your football team should be in the Big Ten. And you haven't had, you had Drew Locke. That's how we started. I started talking about Drew Locke, and then you, you had to play at games at noon Eastern. That's all. Yes, McLovin. Are we forgetting the Blaine Gabbard era, by the way? I don't even remember if he played consistently. Wasn't he hurt for part of it? I don't remember. I have no memory I, of him on I, the field. I haven't even moved on from the Brad Smith era. There you go. Okay. Wasn't there a Blaine Gabbert bowl game where we all watched him have one big game his entire career? That was the only memory anyone had of him? 
you had a memory that never left you because you, yeah, I loved him. You fell in love with Blaine Gabbard. Oh, it's shorts at his pro day. Yeah. He, was, he completed like yeah. 94% of his passes. One of the greats. Yes, Paul. Let's say that sounds like the o, 2010 Insight Bowl, as I think Missouri. <laughs> I went to the University of Missouri to visit when I was in college. The talent, though, is off the charts. It's sneaky. I'm not talking about the school. I just, I just said they should be in the Big Ten. Columbia has a lot of talent. Uh, Big Ten, and that the football program is has not been great. That's all. Yes, McGon. Did that dude say I went to Cornell? Oh, uh, yeah, he had it wrong. That's basically a And then he was school. talking about Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, when I went to Eastern Kentucky, they were winning championships all the time with Roy Kidd as their head coach. For real? <laughs> Wait, are you are you insulted because basically he said Cornell? Yeah. The Cornell. What am I, a hotel major? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. What am I going to... Wow. <laughs> wow. I could get into Cornell. Yeah. No, oh, you couldn't. At least he did say Penn. I mean, that would have been like <laughs> Penn, Penn State. What's it? And and so he, he he gave me a shot on Dayton, which won Division three championships. No big deal. Wait, did Eastern Kentucky win national championships? In uh, not Division one, uh, but whatever it was, one double A back then. Roy Kidd won like, three hundred games or something. There's their head coach. Then why'd you go there? You knew you weren't going to be able to throw up shots at a school that was successful. <laughs> Oh, I t- believe me. I it was the biggest mistake where I went. I'm not even giving this. A- I'm going to go to a place that doesn't want me. That that's a great philosophy. Coach doesn't want me. That's the place I want to go. And uh, and Dayton. No, we're not very good in tailgating, but we'll kick your ass in party and per capita. We will. Just ask Playboy. They put us in the Hall of Fame. Like they got tired of ranking Dayton as a party school. They just put us in the Hall of Fame. Per capita, there's nobody better. Yeah, Paul. There's some party schools in this room. If you think about Southern Illinois, West Virginia, I mean, you may not come back. Uh, Dayton. <laughs> Accurate. Dartmouth. You is, may not go back. Dartmouth is sneaky. <laughs> Animal House, base of Dartmouth. <laughs> and then you have NYU. Sorry, Tom. Yeah. yeah. No, but you were at home with your mom. I was. I had a nice Heather Thomas poster above the bed. Yeah, yeah. Could have been killing it in the city. Yes, McLovin. I got to be honest. West Virginia from Seton Stories seems oh, like... Man. I know Dayton's in the Hall of Fame in Southern Illinois, but West Virginia does seem a little next level. They Right. I, th- I feel like every school were. has a, a Playboy story yeah. about being on the list, but the year that I was there, they... Uh, I forget. I think like... Delaware or somebody or like Rhode Island was number one, but there was an asterisk next to it. <laughs> and when you went down to the bottom, it said, sorry, West Virginia, we don't include professionals. <laughs> I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. I just know Dayton per capita. It was, that was a festive place. A festive place. Yeah. I went to a party and my college education broke out. That was basically it. It's like, oh, oh, I got to go to class now. Now I'm going to hear from Missouri fans. This is it. The local uh, talk shows are going to be all over this. Dan Patrick slams Mizzou. No, no. Once again, I don't want you in the SEC. You don't belong there. And I'd like to have you in the Big Ten. You might actually be a real contender in the Big Ten. That would be nice. And it'd be nice if uh, you know the team didn't play noon Eastern games. Because I'm watching those games. I don't know how many other people are. And that's not your choice. Well, it is your choice. If you're better, you're probably not doing a noon Eastern game. Michael Wilbon will join us. He's used to riling people up. 
He went to Northwestern. <laughs> was Northwestern a party school? Oh, no, not, not reputation-wise. You guys are going to go through this with your, your children, and Fritzy's going through it now, where you look at all these schools for your kids, and then you'll always hear, oh, it's a party school. Every school that my kids looked at, oh, it's a party school. And I went, not every school is a party. There are, there are degree, varying degrees of partying. But, oh, it's a party school. I said, well, you know, where is not a party school here? Take a break here, uh, 21 after the hour. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This program brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. The all-new GT four-door coupe because life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our interviews this week or any week from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app, watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. He's Hall of Famer Michael Wilbon, ESPN's Pardon the Interruption co-host, NBA analyst as well, and a graduate of Northwestern. Is Northwestern a party school, Michael? No. Okay. Um, not, in, not in the way that we think of party school. If you're going back to, for those of us a certain age, you would follow the Playboy magazine party school list decade after decade. No. I mean, we know how to find a good time or have a good time. But party school and the way that I could think of other party schools, no. If I gave you a Duke, I loved it. I wouldn't trade it in for a time at any party school, but party, I wouldn't call it a party school. Okay, if I gave you a do-over and you could go to a party school, but you have to pick a school. Well, I'm right now, I'm, as I sit about 25 minutes from Tempe, Arizona, at Arizona State University, <laughs> that... <laughs> Is a card-carrying member of party school brigade. So I, th- I think, I think I'd be uh, a sun devil, Dan. They're up there on the Mount Rushmore. It feels like of uh, yes, a party yes, school. Yes, they are. All right, I was watching uh, you and Tony yesterday, and the topic of Major League Baseball came up, and I could just. And Tony said it's Groundhog's Day here. Like you have to talk about it. But there's nothing to talk about here. And I, and I keep saying to my audience, I hate doing this to you, but I feel obligated to at least touch on it every single day. I just can't advance it. That's right. And Dan, as you know, this isn't the first time. Um, I mean, b- baseball threatens to blow itself up every few years yeah. when there's a labor negotiation. And they've done it once. They've done it more than once. But n- 1994, of course, is the year they actually did it. And just, just just blew up not just a season, but a tremendous season, a season that was shaping up, I guess, as late as August to be one of the great seasons, one of the great summers in baseball history. They'll, they've done it, and so they'll do it. And I guess, I don't know, 30% of me thinks they, they, they won't do it this time. They can't do it this time. It, it, it would be nothing is unforgivable in the world because, or a few things are because of the shelf life and people forgive and they, even if they don't forget, they come back to you. But Dan, and and I keep thinking, okay, they'll get it done because they realize the consequences of not getting it done this summer. But 70% of me is now thinking, you know what? These sides are hateful enough of each other 
in this context of labor negotiation that they they will do it. They'll do it again. And so I'm I, well, I don't know. I don't know what, what, what you, do you what do you think? Well, give me give me your odds now of baseball actually having a season versus not. I talked to a smart guy yesterday, a TV executive, and he said, don't get caught up. You know, you got to see it's like the trees in the forest here. And he said, don't get caught up in that, that there's too much money. They'll eventually get something. It might not resemble what you think a baseball season is, but they will put a product out there. They understand the stakes. The owners know you know what what the gray area is the player association knows the gray area you have to clean that up a little bit in the margins and they'll eventually play baseball and i go all right he goes don't quote me but they're going <laughs> to right. play they're going to play baseball um a couple of things here i know that espn shies away from talking politics we get caught up in this stick to sports a couple of years ago with the colin kaepernick the anthem and you probably got a memo or there was an edict of let's talk sports here. Now we come back around to this with George Floyd, with what happened and then the fallout here with all of the players involved in this. Like, how do you not incorporate this in the rundown on pardon the interruption every day? Or do you get any yeah, pushback on that? No, we, we haven't had any pushback. And you know me well enough to know I don't read those memos anyway. I mean, you're right. <laughs> I'm sure they go out. I pay, I pay zero attention. Um, and you, you know that this is what people are talking about in the world, from your household to anywhere people gather, even if they don't want to, even if it's a whisper, even if there are pockets of people who don't want to deal with it, to not deal with what is clearly um, an emotional topic which affects sports. It affects sports. It's going to affect sports. Wait till we get to the NFL season. Yeah. And like a third of the people, players are kneeling. Or, you know, you may get coaches or you may get, I mean, the way the Roger Goodell has sounded lately, it wouldn't shock anybody if he took a knee to start a game when we get to September. Um, and so this is, this is, it's, it's the story, one of the stories of our lives. We're going to look back at 2020 and even in a pandemic, and maybe even partly because of the pandemic, we're going to have, you can't write the history of this year. You may not be able to write the history of a chunk of years here without dealing with this entire topic, which of course is precipitated by the murder of George Floyd. What if we just didn't have the anthem and you allowed the players yeah. to go to the middle of the field, take a knee to, to yeah. start the game? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, we didn't use to show yeah. this, but I'm just thinking out loud of how do we do something that allows the players to have their moment and then we don't upset people who who look at this differently than what we may look at this. That you know what? When I first heard that suggestion, I was like, "No, no, you can't start these games without the anthem." And then I thought you could, but okay, how about this? And I, I wish I knew where I read this uh, over the weekend. What about a minute after the anthem? that allows people to do whatever they want. You can hold up a sign, you can do whatever you want in the minute after. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I thought, I'm kind of, I wish I could, I should be able to attribute that, but I just thought, you know what? Which is sort of a, 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 a take, a slightly different one off of what that other suggestion is about not, not having it. Um, and you know how you move off positions? Like one of the, one of the favorite things in my life, Dad, in my life, is going to a Blackhawks game, Chicago Blackhawks game, 
and hearing the playing of the anthem yeah. and a gentleman named Jim Cornelison singing the anthem and the, the, the standing ovation, the passionate, deep, pat, you know, guttural uh, applause and stomping for the, for the, for the, for the Star Spangled Banner before every home Blackhawks game. It's one of the great joys I have. Like if I go to a Blackhawks game and somebody's meeting me, I say, you, you make sure you get there 20 <laughs> minutes early. There's none of this Los Angeles, oh, there's traffic. I'm just getting to my seat yeah. after the puck drops. You're not doing that. And so I, you know, but you get conditions that sometimes move you off positions. I might move you off your original spot. And so it's not my favorite suggestion, Dan, but you know what? We're, we're all having to consider new things, new positions, uh, new ways of doing things that will accommodate the group. And wow, I don't want to go there, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I think that's insane and should not be considered because I think we've got to consider a lot of things now. He's Michael Wilbon, ESPN's Pardon the Interruption. What role does Colin Kaepernick play in Colin Kaepernick maybe coming back to play? It feels like everybody's talking for Colin Kaepernick. Where's Colin Kaepernick? You know, it's been suggested not in 2016, 17, or 18, but it's certainly been suggested in the last few years that Colin Kaepernick isn't interested in playing, that he's good now with this. Um, and I don't want to be too cynical because I, I haven't believed that. I thought what the NFL did last year with that sort of combine, fake combine situation yeah. was just fraudulent on every level. But I don't know Kaepernick well enough, Dan. To, I can't sit here and say, oh, wait, I talk to people who know him and he absolutely wants to play. I don't know Kaepernick that well. Um, does he want to play? And, and so it seems to me now he might have a real opportunity, not, not that fake fraudulent opportunity from a year ago. Um, but, Dan, have we, how many owners have we heard from? It's unbelievable. We've heard from everyone in the last – eight to 10 days, everybody. We've heard from people, you know, we, we all play the game dead or alive, you know, so-and-so, the name of a celebrity. We've heard from that person, whether it's on Instagram or a statement or, you know, a, you know, a TMZ microphone, we've heard from everyone. What NFL owner have we heard from? We certainly haven't heard from Jerry Jones. Like, so how resentful are the NFL owners going to be of all of this, including the guy who serves them? You know, Roger Goodell, how upset are they going to be at Goodell? Are we going to talk about four to eight NFL owners who are okay with this? Are we going to talk about 15, 18, 20? Jerry, Jerry Jones going to stand in his position and you can't work for me and take a knee? I, I think all of this, I mean, we haven't even seen the real controversy of the NFL yet. Presuming there's a season, we're going to see it. But I think the Kaepernick question boils down to, you know, everybody says, well, the, Tony, Tony says this is – this is the time. We're going to see change. And he likens it to when he was, you know, a, a young man in his 20s and we were coming through the late 60s and early 70s and what we saw in the country. I'm, I'm not that optimistic. And part of the reason is I don't know what we're going to see from NFL owners and sort of their attitudes about whether or not there's going to be change in that culture. 
But also with Kaepernick, it feels like this is the quarterbacking, the black quarterback version of the Rooney rule. Like, hey, we're going to bring you in. And it feels like tokenism. It just doesn't feel real. Yeah. That Like, what has changed other than Kaepernick has gotten older? Now he gets a chance because why? Because you feel bad? Because you blackballed him? And if I'm Kaepernick, I go, nope, I'm not letting you off that easy here. Well... Yes, I yes, I completely agree with everything you said. You know what? Again, part of it goes back to again. I don't want to be too cynical about this because I think this is a, obviously this is such a sensitive issue. Does Kaepernick like being perceived as a martyr? Like, what's what what's his agenda? How much money did he get from the NFL, and what 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 were the terms of that? Like, I I, I truly believe you know the piece Howard Bryant uh, had on ESPN.com this weekend, which I thought was a brilliant piece talked about Goodell not mentioning Kaepernick's name. I don't know what that agreement included. Like, it's part of me, given that, given that the commissioner just completely gave it up, right, for that group of players who was in that video last week, late last week, the not mentioning of Kaepernick's name seems to have a, an agenda. Yep. Like, what, what else is in there? What if, he, what if he and Kaepernick or the league and Kaepernick agreed to that we don't know? Because remember, do, do we know the financial terms? We don't even know that, right? Like, we don't know how much money he got from that. I was told that it was nowhere near what was reported. It was probably around $5 million that people were estimating it was $50 million. I was told it was $5 million for Kaepernick. Yeah, I was maybe, I was toward your end of it. I'm thinking like 10, but not, but the notion that it was 20 or more, I, it just seemed to me to be un NFL like. Unless they, I mean, unless they perceive something else was coming, that they wanted to sidestep, like and including discovery. But man, the Kaepernick issue is, you know, Dan. In, in some ways, look, this guy. I don't. I don't want to turn him into John Carlos and Tommy Smith because I don't believe he, he was that. The, the the suffering is on a different scale. The sacrifice is on a different scale. But he had the guts. Yep. He had the guts to do this. And then he sort of lost me personally when he said, I didn't vote. People died for the right to vote, and he said, I, I didn't vote. And this is the, the, the most fundamental exercise we have in a democracy, even more so or as much um, as the right to, to, to free speech and protest and, and, and assembly. And so, but I, I go back to, he had the guts to do this, he was a fine player. If anybody wants to look around the NFL and tell me Kaepernick's not better than like 28 of the backups and probably 15 of the starters. I mean, I live in a city. I root for a team that hasn't had a quarterback as good as Kaepernick since, you know, Jim McMahon. So, like, I don't want to hear that Colin Kaepernick can't play in the NFL because that's just an insult and a lie. Does he want to? Does he want to, and is some, are several somebodies going to create what we call a market to see if that happens? I got my doubts. Mike, good to talk to you. My best to Tony, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, get a chance to cross paths here soon. Dan would love that, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's Michael Wilbon, Hall of Famer. Um, If you look back on Kaepernick's last year that he played, 16 touchdowns, I believe four interceptions. He rushed for two touchdowns. And he rushed for almost 500 yards. Those aren't pedestrian numbers. Those are actually quality numbers. I don't know if he gets a chance, but I think the bigger question is, does he want a chance? I think his place in history is firmly cemented. If you come back, you're a backup, or you come back and maybe you don't play well, 
Like, I, I feel like he runs the risk of things. But I would like to hear from Kaepernick. It feels like everybody else is talking on his behalf. I would just like for him to tell us. I mean, you don't have to be a mystery. Do you want to play? Great. If you don't want to play, you don't think you'll get a, a, a true opportunity? Okay, fine. But I think he owes that to all the people who are speaking for him that maybe we need to hear his voice too. Take a break. Last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow, this day in sports history. And Fritzy will bore you with his scoreboard challenge. <laughs> not nice. All of that coming really up. Really not nice. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick show. Uh, just got this email. Uh, Dan first it's green day and now Missouri football stay in your lane. Yeah. But 80% of Missouri fans agree with you. All right. Well, thank you, Mark, who sent that in. Uh, Mike in Florida joins us. Hi, Mike. What do you have for me today? <clears throat> hey, Dan, I went to school at James Madison back in the eighties. We'd like to fancy ourselves as a big party school. Then I took a road trip with my roommate up to West Virginia to see his buddy. Put me to shame. Three, four days consumed more than I ever had in my life. Went to a football game, WVU versus Cincinnati. Got caught in the middle of a massive cup fight. Got pelted in the head hundreds of times as everyone was cheering their war chant. Let's go drink some beers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Seton now remembers those moments. That sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Ohio University used to be a party school. I, I went there for Halloween, and it, it's, it was crazy. And uh, one of the bars burnt down, and it didn't seem like anybody was that concerned that the, one of the bars, like, I don't know, it was called Cat Lounge or something like that. I just remember I said, uh, the bar's on fire, and the people were like, oh, yeah. All right. David in New York joins us. Hi, David. What do you have for me? Oh, Dan, listen, your uh, foray into the topic of party schools really touched a nerve with me. (laughs) And uh, I'll I'll tell you why. Um, I graduated in 1993 from a school that was rated number 300 in the Playboy poll. I'm wondering if Paulie, as an SIU guy, this may ring any bells. Uh, students walked around wearing T-shirts that said, where fun goes to die. Um, and then I'll throw this in, and you'll get it now, Dan. Home of the first Heisman Trophy winner. Jay Burwanger, University of Chicago. Correct, correct. The same um, team that after... Uh, Michigan beat the University of Chicago. Uh, They rode hail to the victors. And also, I believe the only team undefeated 4-0 against Notre Dame. So, <laughs> Thank you, David, for all of that. that in there. That's, 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 uh, I don't need any more information on the University of Chicago. Somebody else stealing Paulie's This Day in Sports yeah, History segment. That one hurt a little bit. Dang. Yeah, that hurt a little bit there. Uh, Paulie, this day in sports history. All done. Don't have anything today, Dan. Back <laughs> oh, to you. Wow. David and Todd's got eight of them. You got a couple. David, hijacker. Man, I feel bad. This is like when uh, right. you started wearing glasses and McLovin got mad at you yes. because he said, "No, that's my my <laughs> kind of my thing. That's my thing." Yep. So Paulie is blind. He is he is legally blind in one eye, and you're saying you can't wear glasses on the show, McLovin. Yes. <laughs> I like how you said it's a bit. Well, they were definitely clear glasses the first couple of years he wore them. You may have a point there. I only have I only have a prescription in the right eye. Nothing in the left. It's done.
<laughs> well, but I actually you, questioned your Why glasses. don't you wear a patch? Yeah. I had a patch. Hold on. Like, By the way, I questioned Like a your, pirate's patch. I questioned your glasses, Dan, until I looked through them once. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Those my, are the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, my, my eyes are bad. Yeah, see. I'm uh, considering joining the movement maybe this year. I noticed that, especially in the morning, I got to kind of blink a lot more to read things. Kind of like, what's going on there? Hey, Todd, your eyesight's good, right? It's good, but it's definitely fading. I, I'm experiencing the same things that Seen's experiencing. And my last eye exam, they said I should get those cheaters, like those little magnifying glasses, which is going to eventually turn into in the very near future. By the way, fledged glasses. what do you got on? Uh, your T-shirt looks like it's... I've got a very like snug uh, <laughs> L when we all know I'm at least an XL. Yeah, the Tom shirt that we love so much. Yeah, that if that T-shirt can make a noise, it'd probably be... <laughs> oh! that, yeah, all right. Ow! Yeah, that's fine. But your guns are blazing, man. Yeah, but it's if, unless you have the whole package. I don't know. I, I was questioning whether to go out in public with it. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it looks good. It it's I, snug. It's 15 pounds lighter, then now, you, now you're talking. I could walk around with a little... But it's something. supposed to say Tom on the front. Okay, what does it say? But it's, I, I can only see the T and the O and a little bit of the M. So the M is around... All right, it's a little stretched out. <laughs> so I get your point. It, the M goes back around your back. It's being stretched out uh, I was, a little bit. I was searching in the box back there for an XL, <laughs> and it was all larger. And I'm like, I'm going to wear it anyway. Yes, Paul. This is a very Fritzy-esque reference. It reminds me of Jim Burt, the nose tackle for Ooh, the New York Giants. With the 6'4". Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the six and the... Oh, you got your patch on. Arr! Yeah, feels good. <laughs> I like it. Looks good. That's, see, that could be your, your thing. I know. You could be the patch I'd get guy. so much more sympathy from people if I had a patch. Yes. McLovin gets to wear his glasses, and then we get Fritzy with tight t-shirts. And you have a patch. I think that's good. Yeah, McLovin. Not happy about Seton's going with the glasses. Oh. Then it's like, because he's going to have cool, stylish But you're ones. always going to be the <laughs> Ivy League guy. Like, you always get that. I don't want to be, I want to be the New York hipster guy. Would you rather, do you wish you didn't go to an Ivy League school? Oh, I don't really care one way or the other about that. Oh, okay. But I definitely want to be like the glass. That's like such an hip- Ivy League school kind of thing <laughs> right. to say. No big deal. Well, it doesn't really matter. But I am thinking of a glass <laughs> change up, by the way. The new trend, and I see it everywhere in Brooklyn. Clear glasses. The clear frames. Yeah. Uh, all right. No? I don't know. I mean, if it's happening in Brooklyn, it ain't happening in my world. Uh, Fritzy, what did I learn today? Uh, seems rap mocking Hamilton never gets old. <laughs> it does not. Uh, if you need to make it legal, make it LegalZoom.com. Go there today for the important things you need to get done. LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom where my life, life, life meets legal. It's legal, legal. I'm going to do it again tomorrow until we get it right. Talk to you tomorrow.